And Lord, I pray for uh, the teaching, the preaching of your word this morning. Would you cause our hearts to be good soil right now? And that the word, the seed of the word would be planted and that there would be fruit born, multiplied. Help me work in us for the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. All right. I wanted to start uh, just having you think about what is it that's like really going on during those times when you feel yourself being tempted and drawn towards sin. What's really happening at that time? That's where I want to start this morning. So like, let's say maybe this last week you uh, got impatient and snapped at your wife. Okay? What was really going on during that time? Or maybe uh, your neighbor drove in his drive with some brand new, really nice car, and so you were like, consumed with jealousy and envy you know, for the next couple of hours. What was going on during that time? Or, or maybe you were at Starbucks yesterday with somebody and, and just got into this whole kind of a gossip fest, you know, where you're really slandering someone else. What is it that's really going on at those times when in our hearts we're feeling ourselves tempted and drawn towards sin? I want to share with you what Jeremiah says, how Jeremiah puts it. We're going to put it up on the screen here. We don't usually put verses up on the screen because we want you to... We'll, we'll turn to James in a second, but for now, look at, look at what Jeremiah says. This is Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13. I have found these verses so powerfully helpful for me in terms of understanding temptation in my life and, and, and fighting sin in my life. I would encourage you to memorize these verses. Look at what Jeremiah says happens. He says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed... Two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Okay? So, Jeremiah, here's what he's saying. He's saying, all of us are thirsty. Okay? Heart thirsts for meaning and for security and for fullness and for pleasure and for joy and identity and significance and satisfaction. We all have these heart thirsts. And Jeremiah says that God is our fountain of living water. Okay, so we just just picture God as this fountain. Okay, just gushing, pouring, clear, crisp, cold, flowing water. There it is. And, and we're thirsty, and God's our fountain, and we can just drink, and all of our heart thirsts are satisfied when we come and we drink of God. That's, that's how God has set things up to be. And, Jeremiah doesn't say this, but bringing in from the New Testament to round out the picture... Even though God has been a fountain of living water over here, just flowing with everything our hearts need, and even though we've all turned our backs to God, right? Every single one of us just said, ah, not interested, sorry. God has made a way for each of us, even though we've done that, and even though we deserve eternal punishment because of it, turning our backs to Him, God's made a way for us to be completely forgiven and turn back to him. And that was through Jesus. 2,000 years ago, God came to the earth in the person of Jesus. He took upon himself the punishment that we deserved 
so that we could be completely forgiven. And so, because you're trusting Jesus, you've received him into your life as your Savior and as your Lord and as your heart's satisfying treasure, all your, all your sins are forgiven. All the punishment you deserved was put upon him. You will never taste even a millimeter. It's a bad metaphor. Neither taste even just a little bit of, uh, of God's punishment. You're completely forgiven. And so you can come whenever you have heart thirst, which is all the time, and you can drink, receive, trust, worship, and have your heart thirst satisfied. Okay, that's the picture. Now, even though that's happened, you've been forgiven, changed, you've, you've come to God, you've, you've drank, you've been satisfied, we still oftentimes find in our hearts that we have temptations and desires that are moving us away from God. So what's going on when that happens? Okay, for example, this last week, to my shame, I found myself at one point in time, just full of bitterness towards someone who had hurt, done some hurtful things, who had caused a lot of problems for me. And I just, I just was feeling full of, of bitterness at that time. I was, I was feeling it. I was nurturing it. I was like in it. You know that? Okay? So here's what Jeremiah says was going on at that time. So here's God, fountain of living water, And I'm thirsty, I've got heart thirsts, and what I was doing at that point in time was forsaking the fountain of living water, and in my thirst I was going over here and and hewing out a cistern of bitterness. You know what a cistern is? Those are like you dig wells in the rock, okay, we don't really have cisterns around anymore. Anyway, but I was hewing out a cistern of bitterness, which I thought could satisfy my heart thirst. I was hewing out the cistern of bitterness, and then I got, it was all hewed out, There was no water in it. It was bone dry. So I was left thirsty. But that's exactly what I was doing. I was thirsty. God is a fountain of living water. I could have come to him and just drunk and been satisfied. But I forsook him and hewed out for myself a a, a cistern of bitterness that was bone dry, didn't satisfy me at all. That's what happens every time we are drawn with temptation into sin. Okay, so we're thirsty, we turn our backs on the fountain of living water, and we make a little cistern of lust here. No water in that, we're still thirsty, okay? Or we're thirsty, and we forsake the fountain of living water, and we hew out a little cistern of people-pleasing, right? But people-pleasing, you'll still be thirsty, okay? We're thirsty, fountain of living water, we forsake him, and we hew out a little cistern of of self-righteousness, just trying to be a good person, go to church, you know, have, you know, really feel good about how, how upright I am. Okay? See any water in there? No water in there. Okay? Bone dry. That's what happens every time we are being tempted and drawn towards sin. Now, why do we do that? It's really a puzzling thing, isn't it? I mean, here I am, I'm thirsty. God is a fountain of living water. I mean, just like, just water, 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 which can quench all my heart thirsts. Why do I forsake him and go over and try to, to hew out this little cistern of bitterness? Just a little drop, you know? Why do we do that? There's nothing in there. Is it because this cistern of bitterness is just so much more desirable than God? No. Are you kidding me? There's nothing in there. 
Just nothing, bone dry. Is it because I'm just not disciplined enough to, to turn? I mean, how disciplined does a thirsty person need to be to drink from a fountain? Okay? So why do we do it? It's really a puzzling thing. You've all done it this week. I've done it this week. I'm thirsty. I know that God's a fountain of living water. I forsake him and go and try to hew out something else. Why do we do that? There's lots of words, phrases the Bible uses to answer that. It's, it's sin. It's uh, the deceitfulness of our hearts. It's the depravity of our hearts. C.S. Lewis, one of his books, calls it a dark magic. It's a, it's a mysterious thing. It, it, it makes no sense, and it should be a little bit frightening to us that we can do that. Do, do, do you see how wicked it is and how wrong it is, how completely irrational it is? And I think the phrase I want to use to describe it is it's like a willful blindness. That's why I was pursuing bitterness this past week. I knew, I know, I knew that God is a fountain of living water. I knew that. I know that. But I wanted not to know that. I wanted to go hew out my own little water source. Thank you. And there was this willful blindness that came over me, which is why I pursued that. And that's what's true for all of us with whatever sin we're pursuing. So here's the question I want to raise this morning. When we have those times of willful blindness, where we are turning our backs, we're we're thirsty people forsaking a fount of living water to go to another bone-dry cistern, When that happens, what can we do about it? How can we get freed from it? What can you do about those times where in your heart there is this willful blindness? I don't want. There's there's I'm thirsty, there's no water there. So you're saying to yourself, I'm I'm blind now. There's no, that's not a fennel, there's no water there. I've got to go find my own water. What do we do at those times? That's what I want to talk about this morning. And Jesus' brother James tells us what to do at those times. I love this book. I love this passage we're going to look at. So turn to James chapter 1. Here's what's going on. James wrote a letter. Jesus' brother James wrote a letter about A.D. 44 to a group of believers who he loved and had cared for and been a pastor to in Jerusalem. And they were going through terrible suffering. Oh, yeah, raise your hand if you need a Bible. That's what these guys are doing up here. Okay, sorry. They were going through terrible suffering. And along with terrible suffering come terrible temptations. And they were, many of them, succumbing to these temptations and were experiencing willful blindness. They were forsaking God, the fountain of living water, and trying to hew out little cisterns that they thought could satisfy them. And in in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, James tells them and he tells us what to do at those times. So, by the way, James 1 is on page 1011 in the Bibles we just passed out, if you're having a hard time. Finding it. So, what can we do when we're being drawn into sin? James tells us in verses 19 and 20. Now, before we read it though, I just want to warn you when you first read this verse, especially if you haven't been reading along with the whole context, this doesn't sound like a way to deal with temptation. This sounds like something else. Let me show you, and I'll explain to you why I don't think it is what it at first sounds like, okay? Take a look. James 1 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers. 
Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, if you just read those verses by itself, what it sounds like, I think probably all of us are thinking what this means is, we're supposed to be quick to hear other people. We're supposed to be slow to speak because we're, we're, we're listening more than we're talking, right? And we should be slow to get angry at other people. That, that's what I used to think this passage meant. I think it's probably what we all tend to think it means. But if that's what it means, then, and we've we got the passage up here, then right here, James is... He's talking about temptations up here. He's talking about temptations down here. But then all of a sudden right here, he's doing something like totally different. Well, maybe he is. Some commentators think he is. Other commentators think, no, he's, he's not talking here about being quick to hear other people, being slow to speak to other people, being slow to be angry at other people. He's, doing, he's talking about something very different. Okay, let me show you what I think he's talking about. So you got this, I asked myself the question, here's, be quick to hear, is there anything in the following verses where he mentions hearing, and he does, hearers, the word, right? He's talking about being hearers of the word, hearing the word, hmm, that's different. And then in verse 21, he talks about receiving the implanted word, which is another way of hearing the word. So in the following verses, the hearing he's talking about isn't hearing other people, it's hearing the word of God. Are you tracking with me? Now, some of you are stunned at this point. Just t- and you know what? If you think it means something different, that's fine, because verse 21 makes my main point for the sermon, so nothing major is lost here. <laughs> okay, all right. I can just tell. It's like, all right. So, and then in the previous verses, he's talked about the word of truth here, which, flowing right into that, hear, quick to hear the word of truth. And in verse 17, he's told us what we need to hear when we're going through trials. We need to hear that God is always, only good He's not the one tempting you, pulling your heart towards sin. He is always only doing you good. So even allowing this trial, his goal is to bring you into great holiness and sanctification and closeness to God through it. So the before verses and the after verses talk about hearing God's word. I think what James is saying in verse 19 is when you're in temptation, be quick to hear God's word. Okay, now what about the slow to speak thing? Are there any verses before when he's told them to be slow to speak something? Yes. Verse 13, let no one say, speak, say. Be slow to speak, don't say when you're tempted, you're being tempted by God. Okay? So when you're being, and and, and to to say you're being tempted by God, that's something that you would say with anger, right? You're tempting me. You're tempting me. I mean, pull towards sin, stop tempting me. Mm -mm. When you're being tempted, be quick to hear God's word and be slow to speak angrily against God. Because anger against God will not bust you out of that temptation and bring you into the righteousness that God calls us to. Verse 20. Does anybody else buy that besides me this morning? Okay, a couple people do. All right, the rest of you, that's okay. Because he restates that then in verse 21. Actually, let's go to the next slide so you can see. Here's, here's how my notes looked. See, isn't that cool? I love that, okay? There's proof positive of what I'm saying, all right? Pretty. Anyway, okay, so that's, that's all the points. You see hearing, good gift, word of truth, word, hearers, speak, say, anger, being tempted. Okay, now, look at verse 21 where he says what I think verses 19 and 20 are saying in different words. And this is the verse we're going to camp on for the rest of our time this morning. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant 
wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So this is what we should do when we find ourselves being drawn to sin. We should be quick to hear God's word, be slow to blame God for this sin in my heart. God isn't pulling me towards sin. This is my own sinful desires and be quick to receive meekly the implanted word into our hearts. Now, okay, so we all are on the same page here. Even if you don't buy 19 and 20, you can buy 21, right? That's clear. Okay, thank you. I hope you buy 19 and 20, but that may be too much of a stretch for you this morning. Ponder it. So what we should do when we're tempted is to be quick to hear God's word, to receive God's word meekly. Now, why is that so important? Why is it so absolutely critical that when my heart's being pulled towards bitterness, I I get the word. I receive the word. Why is it so crucial that I am quick to hear God's word? The answer why that's so important, end of verse 21. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. It's because the word can save our souls. And that means that when I'm being drawn into sin, when I'm carving out this cistern of bitterness, or it's a cistern of just my hours of mindless entertainment, or whatever it might be, whatever my particular cistern you know, du jour might be, When I'm in that place, my soul needs to be saved. My soul at that point needs to be saved. James Reader has already been saved from the guilt of all their sin, right? He calls them brothers. They're trusting Jesus. They've already been saved from the guilt of all their sin by trusting Jesus. His death paid for the punishment for all their sin. All their sins covered. They're completely forgiven. But when I'm being drawn towards sin, I still now need to be saved from the power of that sin. That Sin is in there, and it's powerful, and the word can save my soul from the power of that sin. Remember, James just told us in verses 14 and 15 why it's so crucial that we be saved from the power of that sin. Look at verses 14 and 15 again, just a quick review from last week. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. God's not luring you, it's your own desire. It's that willful blindness. Then, desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, that that should just stun you. What? Sin in me will could become fully grown and bring forth death? What, what's James talking about? Here's what it means. When there's bitterness in my heart and I allow it to grow, I yield to it and I start hammering out that cistern, I'm I'm entertaining it, I'm feeling it, I'm reveling in this bitterness that this person did to me, okay? When I'm doing that, sin is growing, right? Sin grows. Sin grows. There's no such thing as a sin that will not grow. Sin grows unless it's stopped, And if it becomes full-grown, it leads to what? Death. Which means this. That bitterness in my heart that I felt this last week. It's sin. It grows. And if if I allow it to continue, if I don't deal with it, if I don't cry out to Jesus, if I don't battle it, that sin could cover my heart, 
could cause me to never turn back to Jesus Christ, could cause me to walk away from Jesus Christ, so I face death, which I think, I mean, there's no other way around it. It's eternal spiritual death. It means I wouldn't be saved. Now, we talked last week. I don't think that that means that somebody who is saved can then lose their salvation. If that were to happen to me, even as a pastor, yes, you know, take the halo off, okay. If that that bitterness in me had the potential to grow and to lead me to death, which would show that I never was saved to begin with. But the point James wants to make is he wants us to be sobered by the utter seriousness when we find sin in our hearts. Do you see your sin that seriously? Do you understand what that sin in your heart could do. John Owen had a very radical statement, and we don't tend to talk about sin this way very much. We tend to talk about sin, you know, it's inconvenient, it'll mess up your relationships, it'll make you feel bad, and those things are all true, but, but James kind of goes for the jugular. Here's the, the biggest reason why sin is so serious. Here's what John Owen said. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. John Owen, 1600s, okay? So do you feel how serious it is? It's like, I used the illustration last week, that bitterness in my heart is like a malignant tumor which will grow and it will kill me unless something is done. Okay, remember, just just to put this in context, just like what Jesus said, if your eye causes you to stumble, cast it out. It's better for you to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. It's a metaphor, spare no effort in fighting sin because eternity is at stake with sin in our hearts. Now, here's the wonderful news. The wonderful news is God gives you everything you need to put that sin to death. And because he has started a good work in you, let me ask you a question, just like Cindy did with her son, okay? Who's going to continue the good work in you that God started? God will. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you, he will continue it. Who's the one who will keep you from stumbling? James 1.24 and 25. He will. So as you look ahead to your future here thinking, oh my gosh, you're, you're saying like I've, got to, like I've got to kill all these sins? Yes and no. Uh, Romans 8.13, put to death the deeds of the body by the spirit. If you don't do that, you'll die. Yes, but, but at every step, God gives you all the resources you need to put them to death every step of the way. Every time. He's the one who will do the work. Okay, here's the good news. But we've got to see it this way. Okay, so now, how can my soul be saved from that sin? There, there's bitterness there. There's willful blindness there. I'm being drawn. I'm, I'm saying, no, no, no. La, 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 la. There's no fountain of living water there. I want to carve up my own little cistern of bitterness here. How can my soul be saved from that sin? Verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What's able to save your souls from that sin? The word. Okay? Oh, this is good news. What's the sword of the spirit? The word. Whoosh, big old sword. Oh, it's a big, big, big sword. Whoosh, poof. The sin's gone, okay? So the word is able to save your souls. So I've got to be quick to hear the word. Now, what do we usually do, though, when you find sin in your heart? 
besides hearing the word. Now, I think many of us, including me, we can do all kinds of other things. I thought of four other things that we can do. And I've, I think I know these because I've got experience in all of them. One is we, we just beat ourselves up. And we think this is Christian, okay? There you go again, Fuller. You're bitter, okay? Fuller, you're an idiot. You're no Christian. Christians don't get bitter. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's the work of the flesh. Stupid, stupid. Shame, 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 shame. Okay, now, what am I doing right then? I was carving out this broken cistern of bitterness. Have I... Is that whole, like, beating myself up, am I back at the fountain drinking? No. What I've done is I've simply moved on to another cistern. What do I call it? My notes. Oh, yeah. It's the cistern of self-atonement. Making up for my own sin. The badder I feel about this, I'm really I'm feeling really bad about this. No, no water yet. A little deeper. I'm really feeling really bad about this. Oh, I'm feeling... Don't Christians feel, feel bad about our sin, right? Feeling that all I've done is moved from one cistern to another... I'm not back at the fountain drinking, and the tumor is still growing. Anybody beat yourself up over your sin and think that's the Christian thing to do? I'm a Christian, so I'm really feeling really bad now. Self-atonement, self-atonement. Uh, no water yet, a little deeper. Okay? Are you getting that? All right, now, that's one way we respond wrongly. How about making resolutions? Oh, it's so subtle. So there I am, I'm in my bitterness. I think, I can't believe I'm bitter again. Okay, that, that does it. I'm going to get serious about following Jesus. I'm going to start forgiving people. I'm going to forgive this person. I'm going to stop being angry. I'm just going to stop this bitterness thing. I've got to get serious about following the Lord. Okay, now, now all I've done there, am I back at the fountain drinking yet? No, I'm still here, right? Okay, it's obvious. And all I've done is I've moved from one cistern to this other cistern Oh, I forget what it was. What was it? Oh, okay, I'm making resolutions. Self-reliance. Okay, I'm reliant. I'm going to do this. Because doesn't say to yourself, I'm going to be a better Christian. Doesn't it make you feel a little bit better? Maybe a drop. Oh, oh, I got a little drop out of that one. Okay? So resolutions is just another cistern. Are you back at the fountain yet? While you're digging this resolutions thing? No. You're not back at the fountain yet, and the tumor keeps growing. You've just shifted from one tumor, or one tumor, sorry, one cistern to another. So beating ourselves up, isn't it? Making resolutions, isn't it? Others just give up. Okay, it's like, I'm bitter again. I guess I'm not a very good Christian. Figures I'm not very good at anything. Okay, what's on TV or something, right? So that's, that's kind of how we respond. And then I just moved from the cistern of bitterness to the cistern of self-pity. Or another very popular cistern is trying to change apart from... Jesus. Okay, Dr. Phil said, uh, don't be bitter, be better. And, and he said that if I would be better, then people, would, it, people don't like bitter people. People like better people. So I'll be better, and, and hey, it's working. Okay? People like me now. Okay, so all I've done is moved from the, the, the uh, what is this called again? The cistern, thank you, of bitterness to the cistern of, if people like me, I'll be happier. Right? Cistern to cistern. Am I back at the fountain drinking yet? No. And the tumor is growing. See, I, I, think, I think churches are full of people today who move from cistern to cistern to cistern. And they think, they think it's Christianity. And they think it's 
what Jesus wants. And it's been months or years since they've had a drink at the fountain. Can you feel that? It is so subtle and so prevalent. And the tumor is growing. I don't want any of us to be switching from cistern to cistern. Forsake the cisterns and come back and drink. And we do that by hearing the word. Quick to hear, with meekness receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. Okay, now, some of you, many of you maybe, if you've, if you've been raised in a church and you've heard, you know, if you're being tempted, the solution is to read the Bible. And that's what you're hearing me say. You're, okay, Pastor Steve is just saying, read the Bible. And I've tried that, you say. I've, I've read the Bible. Read, 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 read. Temptation's still there. Read, 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 read. Temptation's still there. Read, 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 read. Temptation's still there. It's not working. Okay? Now, what I love about verse 21 is that James gives us really helpful insights into what kind of reading, what kind of hearing saves our soul from that temptation that we're feeling. And I see four aspects of this hearing. And uh, see what you think about these. See if you see them also in this verse. First of all, turn your attention away from sin and put it back on Jesus. Beginning of verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. Now, the Greek there means that the putting away is a means towards receiving the word. This is how you receive the word which can save your souls. And James can't be meaning here, become perfect, right? Because nobody gets perfect in this life. So what, he's, what I think he's saying is, you've been over here making this cistern of bitterness. He's saying, turn away from that and put your attention back on Jesus, the fountain of living water. Just turn your attention back to Jesus. Now, I think probably at this point, you're still not seeing him. There's still some willful blindness there, okay? But you're looking. It's like, well, I'm looking at Jesus, but I'm just not feeling it right now. Okay, that's okay. This is the first step, though. The first crucial step is to take your attention from the bitterness, from what this person did, or whatever else, whatever cistern you're struggling with. Turn your attention, put it back on Jesus. Step number one, okay? Second, got to humble ourselves before God. Verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word meekness it's a word we don't use much in our culture it's another word for humility so what this means is you you humble yourself before god so you say god i'm not i'm not seeing you i mean i see the facts in the book it says you're a fountain of living water i'm just not seeing it i'm not hearing the water i'm not feeling the mist i'm not being drawn i'm just i'm just not feeling it and so you humble yourself before god and you say god first of all I recognize I've sinned against you. It's true. I may not be feeling it, but it's true. I've sinned against you, and I deserve eternal punishment for my sin. And apart from Jesus' death on the cross, I'll never be righteous before you. I'm just like laid out before you. I'm in need of your mercy, sovereign mercy. I can't change my own heart. I can't overcome my willful blindness. I can't grit my teeth and make this happen. I cast myself at your feet, and I say, help me. I have nowhere else to go. That path is death. Unless you save me, I'm undone. So you humble yourself before God, totally laid out. Do you feel that? You've just laid it all on the table. Help me. 
I, I, I need you. I have nowhere else to go. Meet me. That's receiving the word with meekness. This is so crucial. My biggest problem is pride. I think I said this last week. Meekness does not come easily to me. But God helps me to say, help me, help me, humble me, help me to feel it. And he goes to work. So that's the second step. Humble yourself before God. If you don't humble yourself before God, you will never feel the mist, hear the, the fountain of water, taste the living water. You won't. You've got to be meek, humble. Third, trust God's word implanting power. Read verse 21 again. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. What does that mean? When God first saved you, he implanted his word in your heart. Okay, he implanted it in your heart. Your heart was full of willful blindness. Okay? You were not moving towards him. You didn't want to be saved. Your heart was in rebellion against him. You were his enemy. But he looked upon you with love because of Jesus. He put his affection upon you. From eternity past, chose to save you. And then one day, he broke through that wall of willful blindness and implanted his word in your hearts. And, oh, and you saw and you felt, Jesus, you're glorious, you're Savior, you're Lord. I drink, I receive, and for the first time, your heart thirsts were quenched in Jesus. By his power, he implanted the word in you. And I think James' point is, in the same way that when you were first saved, God broke through your willful blindness and implanted his word in you, God will do the same thing now for you, today, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. So trust God's word implanting power. So you've turned your attention from your sin. You've directed your heart towards who Jesus is. In the scriptures, scriptures are open, describing the fountain. You're there. You're not feeling it. You're not really seeing it yet. You, you, you receive the word with meekness. You humble yourself before God. Unless you work, I'm undone. You're God. I've sinned against you. I deserve hell for my life. You've sent Jesus. Come and save me again now from this sin's power I've got right now. And then you trust his word implanting power. I trust, I trust that through your word, you will implant this word in my heart as I'm here. And then the fourth and last step is you prayerfully ponder the word about Jesus until your heart is changed. You prayerfully ponder. Now this can happen with a worship song, okay? This can happen in your home group as you're sharing scripture together. This can happen with you asking your home group leader, would you pray with me? I've got this sin. I need to be, my soul needs to be saved from the power of this sin. Would you pray with me? Or this can happen all by your lonesome, just by yourself with the scripture, you and, and Jesus and the word. But so you prayerfully ponder the truth of who Jesus is. Now I wrote some scriptures down in your notes here that you can take a look at, okay? There's, there's I mean, the scripture is just full of them. This is just all describing what a fountain of living water. You'll read about people who've, who've drunk from the fountain. You'll read about what the water pressure is in the fountain. right? You'll read about how cool and refreshing the water is. You'll read about the fact that there's never been a time when the fountain didn't, wasn't overflowing with water. This is what you'll see. You'll read all about Jesus, the fountain of living water. And so you prayerfully ponder the word about Jesus. 
the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And as you do that, as you do that, you've turned, you've looked, not feeling it yet, you meet, you're meek, you're, you humble yourself before God, you trust in the power of the implanted word, okay, and you're prayerfully pondering the word until he changes your heart, he will change your heart. Sin's power will be broken. I think of John 8, 31 to 32. So Jesus was saying to some Jews who believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Know the next line? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, that's a phrase that we use all, for all kinds of different things, but in the context there, the next verse is it's being free from being enslaved to sin. Okay? So if you know my word, uh, if, you, if, you, if my word abides in you, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, which is just like James 1, the word will save your souls. Okay, it's a promise there. So this is just what I want to encourage you to do. When you find temptation rising up in your heart, Okay, don't, don't do one of those four things I mentioned earlier. Don't, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> okay, just one sister into another, the tumor's going to keep growing, no fountain. Don't make resolutions. It can feel like you're becoming more spiritual, but it's a deception. It's just changing from one sister into another. There's no drinking from the fountain. There's no tumor being put to death. Don't give up, and don't try to change apart from Jesus. Turn your attention... Put it upon Jesus as displayed in his word, fountain of living water. Receive the word with humility. Be humble before God. Trust in his word and planting power and prayerfully ponder the scripture until God changes your heart. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, he will. He will. He will not forsake you in this. He's promised to do this. You will all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. I'm seeing. I'm seeing your glory. I'm seeing your splendor. I'm seeing your love. I'm thirsting for you. And you'll come over and you'll drink. And the tumor will have been cut out. Right? The blindness will have been healed. You'll be seeing and you'll be satisfied. So church, just don't mess with switching from one sister into another. Receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Let's pray together. Actually, ah, yeah, we should pray. No time for questions. We've got a potluck going on. If you have questions, email me. Stand up, let's pray, and then I'll move us into the potluck. So Lord, this is something that we could be practicing numerous times every day. Numerous times every day. I need to, we all need to. And we praise you for the word which points us to Jesus and the cross and forgiveness and glory and fountain of living water. And we praise you for the power of your word which can change our hearts. I praise you. There is no sin that anyone here is feeling now or ever will feel that you won't save them from. That sin's power through your word. So thank you for that, Lord. Help us to stop just switching from cistern to cistern. Help us to turn our hearts back to you, to be humble, to trust the power of your word, and to Pray and trust until you change our hearts so we can drink. Be satisfied. Thank you. You give us everything we need to keep persevering. You're the one who keeps us from stumbling. You're the one who continues the good work you've started in us. 
So I pray that right now, those here, Lord, who are struggling with sin's power, right now, Lord, as they look to you, free them. I pray for those here who maybe have never, never tasted of the fountain of living water, of knowing you, God. They've never come to you, Jesus, and been saved from the guilt of their sins. Lord, right now, I pray, save them. Right now, pour out your spirit upon them. Right now, give them repentance and faith and turn their hearts to you. Lord, I pray that every time we find ourselves being drawn from you, we will see what's really going on and we'll be quick to hear your word. That we will with meekness receive the implanted word which is able to save our souls. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your power. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.